Hello and welcome to Why I Play, a podcast series that explores the reasons why, no matter how tired they are, four mothers decide to turn up and play. A special collaboration between Grazia's parenting platform, The Juggle and Nike. In this series, we speak to women who find joy, inspiration, resilience and discovery through movement. On today's episode, we're speaking to an all-dancing, brilliant campaigner. Hi, I'm Anna Whitehouse, the founder of Motherpucker, and I'm a mum of two and a broadcaster on Heart. Anna is the woman behind Motherpucker and the Flex Appeal campaign, taking on writing, presenting and parenting too. It's a busy existence built on a constant juggle. In a surprisingly emotional chat, we spoke to Anna about how dance became her saviour and led her to find joy in movement that inspired big changes in the rest of her life. Hi Anna, how are you today? Yeah, uh, six out of ten. Could be better, could be worse. That's pretty good. What is that, like a B minus? Not to take that at school sometimes. Yeah, you know, summer holidays... About 5,678 days in, it feels. I've done Legoland five times. You know, that's where we're at. And you're also, at the moment, you're up and down the country. You know, you're half in London, half in Birmingham. Released, just released a book, you know, still campaigning. I mean, there's loads going on for you. Yeah, ironically, it's uh, not a very flexible existence right now, uh, despite everything I'm fighting for. But no, it's all it's all great. It's just, uh, well, you run the juggle, so you understand. Yeah, a lot of juggling. And we're here to talk about the little bits in between the juggling when you carve a bit of time out for yourself, sometimes with the kids, sometimes on your own, moving your body, exercising, playing. I just wanted to start off, you know, I feel like every woman has this kind of timeline in their head of how they've gone through their life what's your relationship been like with moving and exercise and play throughout your life and where where have you at now so I used to be uh really sporty so played hockey at a really high level and it was always about chasing a ball so sport had to have exercise had to have purpose or something to chase like a golden retriever to a tennis ball um was really how I exercised and then I stopped really doing that as I hit university. And I really came at a crossroads of really not knowing what my form of exercise was outside of chasing a ball. And that's quite hard uh, when you're on your own and don't have a team of players to play with every Saturday. Um, so I think I stepped back, really, and uh, lost my way for a while. And I regained, I think, a sense of what exercise was and what it would do after my second child when I felt, I remember um, I couldn't pick up the buggy getting from the bottom of Bank Station in London to the top and I couldn't do that. Nobody was helping me and I thought, well, if I'm not physically capable of walking up these stairs with my daughter in a pram, um, then I need to get to a point where I'm stronger to do that. So suddenly that became the ball almost that ability to be strong as a mother, physically strong, and I think in turn mentally strong. And you mentioned that was after your second child. I mean, I de- I'm currently pregnant with my second child. Definitely feels the body is different, a lot more tired. It's going to take a lot more building up, I can tell already afterwards. Did you Did you have that experience then? Yes, um, I definitely felt like... Um, my knees creaked like glow sticks going upstairs. It was a very, very physical sort of 
shift in my body after the second. Um, I sort of, I didn't bounce back after the first, but I definitely got, you know, fitter, slightly fitter. But the second one just knocked me sideways. And I think, again, I really underestimated the link between the physical and the mental. And I think that was really what hit me quite hard, was um, that in letting the physical sort of go through time and lack of it and sandwiches to cut crusts off and husbands to argue over the dishwasher with and deadlines to hit, all of these very valid reasons why exercise and looking after yourself come right at the bottom. But I realised that the link between the physical and the mental was so strong that I didn't have a choice but to really start moving. And that's really where it began. It wasn't about, right, let's do couch to 5K or right, let's run a marathon it was like just start moving um on a very basic level so what did you turn to then I know that at the moment we know we're going to talk about your love of dance and and all things like that but is that when that started or did you start off with as you say just kind of building things up from there it started and I remember it was um we used to have kitchen disco Fridays and it was when I was really not in a great place. Like I was quite postnatally depressed and feeling really out of control, I think, in things. And I think every Friday uh, with the kids, we would just dance around, you know, when my husband got back from work, when I'd finished work, the kids got back from school. And I remember thinking I was out of breath within about five beats of Taylor Swift's Shake It Off. <laughs> and so I sort of started there, really, because... It was, again, I want to be able to dance to this song with my kids without feeling out of breath. And so, again, where I'd lost my way from sort of chasing that ball, it came back to me in those moments of wanting to be able to have fun. And I think to be able to do that, you know, the link to that physical health is so strong. Um, So it started there, started with dancing with my toddler, really. So as well as about strength, which I think a lot of mums can really relate to, that feeling of, oh God, I need to get this buggy upstairs and no one's helping me. It did start to be about joy as well for you. So when did you recognise that actually this isn't like something I need to do, you know, and it's going to be a bit of a chore. It could be something that I could enjoy and might bring, as you say, something to my mental health as well. Well, I think it was because uh, I'd always thought I was a terrible dancer, you know, like um, when you have in your head what you are. And I categorically was, to be honest, like I've seen myself move. And I think it was almost like a personal um, challenge, I think, to go, well, if I'm raising these girls to tell them they can do anything and be anything, and I'm here, you know, doubting myself in my own kitchen, dancing with a toddler, uh, come on, you've got to get over that. Mm. Let's actually start flinging yourself about a bit. I think that's where it began. And then actually, I thought, well, why not learn to dance? You know, I'm in the middle of a, a pandemic. I don't have time to breathe, you know, I'm writing a novel with my husband, we don't even have downtime around that. Any downtime was squabbling over edits and what should go in the book or what shouldn't or, you know, whose turn of phrase was more complicated than the others and needed to be edited out. So there was no downtime and I, um, that's when I found uh, Dancebox which uh, was run by a lady called Alana. She made me, for the first time, feel that I didn't need to look a certain way or 
be a certain way to dance. Uh, she made it very accessible in the way that I think a lot of classes can feel quite intimidating. There was not, an, there was not as much lycra, I think, as I'd seen elsewhere. And I wasn't brave enough to do a class session. So I messaged her and I just said, would you be open to sort of meeting me in a park and doing one-on-ones? Um, you know, I decided to invest the money that I was putting into a gym, which mm. I wasn't using, into weekly classes with her. And through the whole three po- lockdowns, every week, come rain or shine in a park, uh, the kids were with me. They would see me um, get better and better. And we just danced and choreographed a routine to Lizzo's Good As Hell, which even saying it out loud makes me sort of cringe quite deeply. Um, and I was embarrassed. I looked like a flailing octopus <laughs> for the first few bits. And like there's pictures of me. She took the whole journey of videos and pictures, the kids joining in. And it was a, a humiliating experience, really, for the first sort of two months where I was continually doubting myself. But it got after that, there was a breakthrough moment where... I got the routine and she started crying and I started crying and I just thought, oh my God, this is so fun. And I'm not doing this for anyone but me and I'm not doing it for anyone but to show my kids that, yeah, you can you can do what you want to do. It might be tougher for some people who are a bit less coordinated like I was. You can still get there. So, um, yeah, that was really where it went. So as well as the humiliation, there was also, you know, those moments of ecstasy. I mean, it sounds obvious, but I just think, God, after about, you know, a year and a half of not being able to do it, what feeling does dancing giving you? Whether it's doing the routine or just, you know, I know at your birthday, a lot of that was about dancing. And, you know, what what feeling does it make you have? It was funny because that uh, video I put up of me dancing, I got like quite a few people going, oh my God, you're such a twat. (laughs) And I was a twat, you know, like it was a, it was a twatty thing to put up, you know, like, oh look, here's me at my 40th dancing. But um, it was, I think, uh, a real moment of this is not something for a career or a financial gain to support my family. This is just for me. Uh, and I haven't done anything for myself for, I think, the best part of seven, eight years uh, since having kids. Um, it was the first moment that I think in that, sorry, it's a bit emotional talking about it, Whew. in that park, like, just repairing, I think, quite a lot of the damage that I think having two kids and trying to work and trying to keep yourself together, them together, your husband together, I think it was the first step and the first move towards repairing the sort of fragments of quite a broken woman. Um, And I'm quite open about saying that. And so while it looks like a dance class, maybe, or a moment at a birthday, it was, I think, me week by week, uh, move by move, rebuilding myself. I think, on a very basic, quite primal uh, level. Uh, And uh, every time I hear Lizzo's good as hell, it fills me with not just joy, but recognition that um, I'm here again and I I feel myself. You know what, like a lot of women have said during this campaign when we spoke to people, it's about, you know how it's not about what happens within that hour really you know whether it's painful or fun or not it's about the confidence that it brings you afterwards and it does feed into your whole life you know giving yourself that hour a week 
20 minutes a day, whatever you can fit in, does feed into everything else, doesn't it? And it all helps. 100%. I think think I was getting quite frustrated with everyone saying, you know, you need me time and you need downtime and you need care. I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't see where. I can't see how. And actually, I realised that you have to fight actually for that time. It doesn't magically appear. Um, You have to fight for it as you would fight for, you know, your daughter to get into a theatre group she wants to get into. Like you would, you know, your husband support him in getting the job he wants. You've got to back yourself in these things that seemingly don't bring financial gain or, you know, it was an hour a week and it was a battle to get that hour. That's the bit I think that is underestimated when you are uh, a just an ex- exhausted parent, <laughs> mother or father. Um, and that feeling of it's selfish. This is time I'm taking for myself. No, it's time you're giving yourself. There's a difference. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because I think so many people think they can tick you off by WhatsApping you and you know, put, putting their hand on your shoulder and saying, oh, you must do something for yourself or you must look after yourself. And you're like, yeah, when, <laughs> you know, people think, you know, this myth of mummy time, like, oh, seven o'clock and the glass of wine comes out and the Netflix, like, no, that's when the forms start getting filled, the tidings, you know, it's not easy at all to make that time. No, it's, um, it's not. And I think also, uh, I'm, I think like a lot of my friends, a whirlwind of activity, you know, as soon as the kids are down and they're increasingly going down later and later, that window that you have with your partner to try and repair some of the passive aggression throughout the day um, becomes narrower and narrower. And yeah, I think, you know, you constantly fill those moments with things that you can do for other people. Uh, They flood in, you know, and that is picking up Lego off the floor. That is preparing you know batch cooking for the week it's and that's my husband and I that's not just me doing that um and we've been fighting for him to have time too you know it's about affording each other that time and actually having a conversation about what you need and he wanted to do couch to 5k and so I would hold the kids for an hour while he went and did that and as soon as he got back he'd tuck them up and I'd go and do my exercise and I think we we, we just put it on the table as a priority as opposed to a nice to have. Yeah, so important. And I want to go back. You said your children with you when you did a lot of your classes. Um, how has it changed them and the way they've seen you? And has it started conversations with them about exercise and moving and playing as well? 100%. It has been, I think, probably the biggest uplift has been them learning the moves with me. And it being when we're doing our kitchen discos now that they go, put your song on, put your song on. And then, you know, we're doing it together. And she does the whole hair toss, check your nails, baby, how are you doing? You know, seeing a sort of four-year-old with that much Lizzo sass is a joy unto itself. And I think, uh, I think it's my husband seeing me having chosen to pour my energy into something that isn't just for uh, the family or other people, that is solely for me and hasn't been packaged by him as selfish. If anything, 
the support there has made us probably fall in love with each other a bit more because in affording each other that little window, that fragment of time, he's had me come back to myself a bit more, which means I've come back to him more. Um, So these aren't little selfish things. They're things, you know, that time you take, whether it's a dance to Lizzo, whether it's a couch to 5K, whether it's a walk around the block just to clear your head, movement of any kind, uh, it doesn't just uh, repair you physically, doesn't just repair you mentally, it repairs you romantically, it repairs your connection with your children, it lets them see that you're caring for yourself as well as caring for them, and I think that has been the biggest memo from all of this and it was the it took the longest time to actually look at you know what do I need actually to get back and I'm not saying you know flailing about like um you know uh Mr Tickle from Mr Men in a in public display is for everyone but it's in finding that thing which dance was the last thing I thought it would be complete opposite of what I imagined I was like get me onto a netball netball court get me onto a hockey pitch But actually, it was the very thing I needed. And I think it's in trusting your own instincts and challenging yourself, because then you will have the biggest gains, I think, at the end of it. You obviously grew up sporty, you know, with the the team sports and things. Are you careful how you have those conversations with your your kids? And, you know, how do you how important to you is it that those conversations are right when you're talking about exercise, not as any kind of punishment or regime, but as, you know, all the good things it can bring. Yeah, I think uh, we're so careful how we talk about our bodies and, um, you know, our kids are going through the exact same phase. I think that all kids go through going, mommy, why is your tummy so fat? And it's like, well, it's not fat. Like, (laughs) it birthed two children. And, you know, yes, my C-section scar has a little sort of pocket over it that looks like a bag for life but um it's a really beautiful scar it's a reminder of where you came from call it my line um you know that they came from and in terms of body mind and I think the physical element of that it's what you enjoy and I think from those Fridays where we just started dancing to now where they're copying me dancing, I hope that we've instilled in them that movement is fun, movement is play, and you find your your chosen way of moving and it will never feel like a form of punishment. Um, but obviously they're four and eight, so they don't really listen to me about anything. <laughs> Um, so there's not many lessons getting in there, but, um, yeah, they definitely have a healthy association with it. I think based on how Matt and I are now, um, working out, um, and not feeling like it is punishment. We're not moaning and groaning going, Oh God, I've got to go and work out. We're literally skipping out the door going, okay, I've got, I've got my thing to do today. Yeah. I love that feeling when you're like, this is my time now, close the door. (laughs) You do have a skip in your step. Absolutely. And so much of your work is about campaigning, it's public facing. I just think finally, like how does, you know, the confidence you've gained feed into that and make you a better person in your kind of work and career life too? A big journey for me has been in uh, managing the people-pleasing side of my personality. 
Um, I was just in a whirlwind of not being able to let anyone down. And in doing that, I let everyone down. Um, to be honest, even getting onto this podcast, I was struggling with, you know, like it was a consistent like, but they're you like, they're great people. I want to do this. And you, you know, you're constantly being pulled in 20 directions whilst wanting to do every single one of those things. So I think I have through becoming more confident and rebuilding myself sort of postnatally, I think it has been an acknowledgement that um, I can be honest about what's going on. Like uh, I even said to Dave, who's sorting out this podcast, I was like, yeah, I'm having a bit of a tough time at the moment. I'm not going to lie. And actually acknowledging that. So there's no miscommunication, that your intention is always there. And I think that clarity uh, in not seeking likes, in not seeking to be liked, in being and being confident in who you are and not just, you know, singing and dancing to Lizzo's good as hell, but actually feeling it. Uh, and I think I faked it over and over until I finally I did feel like I'd made it. And that was not on some campaigning level and that was not on writing a book. Uh, it was not anything that involved an accolade it was in um, finding something that helped me absolutely wasn't the, f the full contributing factor but helped me find myself and I'm very proud of that and I think if anybody says you know what are you proud of, proudest of over the last few years it would genuinely be that it would be in reaching out beyond my comfort zone um, because the impact that it has had uh, on my mind, body, family and soul has been significant. Amazing. Just think of that coming from your kitchen discos. I think everyone's going to be having kitchen discos this weekend now. <laughs> I did give myself slight whiplash once. That was the real low when I was like, oh God, I can't even kitchen disco without ending up in A&E. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, so no whiplash, but plenty of dancing. Thank you so much to Anna for joining us today for our final episode. To find out more about this special campaign from Nike, go to Instagram and follow Grazia's parenting platform at The Juggle UK, where you can read more from Anna and our previous guests, Muay Thai boxer and Nike London trainer Nezreen Daly, model Sarah Tarleton and stylist Chloe Ford. Thanks for listening. <laughs>